Crisis management exercises. We've run them and have a pretty good idea of what to do. When you think about running an exercise, you might feel like you know all there is to know. But what if I said I could teach you something new? Hello everyone and welcome as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. This is episode 43 and I'm your host Mark Hoffman. This week I'm joined by Lester Chung, former naval officer and head of cyber and crisis security exercise management at the Bank of Montreal. In this episode, you're going to learn something new about exercising. Today we discuss how to leverage exercising to enhance our operational resilience, how to use drills as part of the effective exercise, and what do we mean by exercise workshops. The bottom line is we're going to make a positive impact on the way we think about exercising. But first, here's a brief word from Ashley at the Resilience Think Tank. Welcome to the Resilience Think Tank. I'm Ashley Guzman, and along with my co-founders, we created the Resilience Think Tank in 2021, dedicated to providing independent guidance and research to the risk and resilience industry. As founders, we're based in Canada, the United Kingdom, and the United States, and have a combined experience of over 87 years of helping organizations to become resilient. We are committed to ensuring diverse voices are included in making communities and organizations more resilient. I hope you'll join us. Lester, welcome to the podcast. Really pleased to have you here. To start off, tell everybody about your background because your military experience is going to play an important part in our discussion. That's right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to be on. And yeah, I'll start off with a bit of my background. Uh, I was from the Singapore Navy, uh, where I was a naval warfare officer. Um, so I spent about 12 years there and on the ships in, in training facilities. And um, that's where I specialize in training and simulation. Uh, and one of my key roles there was to run the Naval Wargaming and Simulation Center. Um, so that has really uh, opened my eyes in, in terms of running, designing, conducting exercises. Um, which uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to take that uh, experience in the military and yeah, currently turn it into exactly what I'm doing right now, uh, which is running a security exercise program uh, at the Bank of Montreal. And uh, the current program covers uh, four, four key areas uh, of security. So cybersecurity, fraud, physical security and uh, crisis and continuity management. So that's a bit of background. Uh, and like, like Mark mentioned, um, that's where that direct experience from the military brings me in, in my current role at uh, Bank of Montreal. We were talking before the podcast recording started about trying to raise the bar in that corporate world to maybe match the military view of exercises. So you talked about war gaming, you talked about a bunch of different things. And as we go through, we're gonna talk about different techniques for exercising. Um, but I think what we're focusing on here really is crisis management exercising. And how does the military view differ from the corporate view? What are you seeing? Yeah, so I think that's a huge difference in how the military views exercises and how the, the corporate enterprise views it. 
So I think the military, if if you're not at war or in operations, you are exercising. And, and that goes on throughout the entire calendar year. Um, bulk of the time spent uh, for by the military is planning for exercises and running those exercises. So it's, it's really not only a resource intensive difference, uh, but also a mentality around it. So I think how the how the military views exercises, it is really a they view it as the only way to to build and demonstrate uh, readiness and resilience, and it should eventually lead to their objectives of um, applying deterrence to a potential adversary. So I think that's that's how the military. Uh, takes uh, exercises very seriously. Uh, obviously, there's always the context of uh, if you, you screw it up, it's going to cost someone a life or their limb. Um, yeah. And that's where that's where the, the emphasis on training, exercising, making uh, very clear uh, how important um, everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. Everyone knows where they are playing in the sandbox so that Touchwood, if the day comes that they need to execute on some of um, their plans, they would uh, be well ready to do so. Um, yeah, and, and this is comparing it to the corporate enterprise um, application of exercises currently. I think it is firstly, we, firstly it's not very common. Um, and mm -hmm. if it is even being exercised, I think people look at it two ways. One, it becomes a very check-the-box exercise, which unfortunately uh, is required for certain regulated companies, uh, but it sort of loses its uh, real objective or, or value add there. Um, and the second one, if you start talking about scenarios which are a bit more significant, people view it with a, a lens of fear-mongering, and they don't they, they, they always hesitant to explore like the doomsday scenario. And, and with, with those two sort of uh, legacy issues that we have, we face in corporate environment, um, it, it's difficult to then help shift the perspective to how are we leveraging exercises to, to enhance operational resilience? Because it is really one of the one of the key tools to be able to demonstrate uh, growth and, and resilience to not only uh, external attack, but a internal disruption due to poor change management. So I, I think yeah, there are a lot of opportunities there for the utilization of exercises in the corporate uh, enterprise. What you described that jumps out as hugely different is you said when you're not at war, you're always exercising, where in the corporate world, you'll be lucky to maybe do one a year. And mm -hmm. when you do the one, you have to start thinking about, well, the executive team only has time for an hour or 90 minutes or two hours, maybe. Um, and it's uh, it, it's just a whole different it's just a whole different attitude now. I just want to say something to my colleagues in resilience, business continuity, crisis management. Stay tuned here because what we're going to talk about in the next couple of questions can really have a positive impact on the way we think about exercises. So um, I, I've 
seen some of what you've written about this and it's exciting stuff. So let's start with this. Let's start with sort of the, the premise of what we're trying to get at here. And that is increasing awareness about the value of running cyber and crisis exercises. You talk about three different things that can be done here to, to articulate the value of doing these exercises. So the first thing you talk about is creating a safe space to talk about it. Explain what you mean by that, because it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so safe space is, I, I think, is carving out both time as well as the opportunity for um, key decision makers who not necessarily have the time to think about some of the more difficult questions that when they are thrown into a crisis, they will be asked those questions. So running an exercise before we are even in a crisis gives the key decision makers the, the safe space for them to think about what exactly they are being asked to decide, um, gives them the time to uh, talk through some of their, the thoughts in their minds. Uh, it gives them the time to even converse with some of their leads on their teams um, to bounce ideas about, okay, are we deciding to pay the ransom? Are we even allowed to pay the ransom? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's where, that's where the, the value add of using exercises at the safe space um, really buys time and capacity in a, a real quiet, in a real crisis. Um, and it removes the urgency for a decision and, and, and yeah, and, and really brings the, the clarity of thought, touch wood in, in a real crisis. So I think safe space is one that's really important for, for uh, really one of the key values that an exercise can bring uh, to the key decision makers. And I like that because what it does is you're not role playing. You're just, you're probably still using a, a, a plausible scenario but it's just conversation it gives them a, a chance to talk it through and and think it through and you'd rather do that in a simulated event versus you know a, a real life situation another thing that you talk about when increasing awareness uh, of exercises is it gives you the opportunity to articulate your progress uh, explain what you mean by that yeah and i think in this if we look at large programs, whether it's a cyber build-out, whether it's a, a DR continuity build-out to increase your increase your your resilience or uh, ability to recover from a, 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 an attack. Uh, many a times, the teams are just forced to execute on the technology perspective, right? We just, we got to build out this tool, we got to push data in it, and we just got to push on and push on. And it comes to the point where we are in production and we, we sort of forget, okay, why, why did we do this? Or how are we going to demonstrate that what was initially thought out as the plan, um, does it really work? Have we, yep. even, have we even tracked it? Have we even um, demonstrated it? So the execution of an exercise uh, would allow you to um, sort of sort of uh, demonstrate the ROI. A lot of times we, we talk about ROIs, we get the money and then we, we run off with it and no one really sees uh, and really understands what the, the value of 
that 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 million dollar spend in approved two years ago. Nobody nobody knew what happened to it. So, um, rep and, and the military does this very well. Whenever we we make a big capital purchase, um, let's say we buy uh, brand new fighter jets, there's always they always make a show out of it once it's operationalized, and that really shows um, the military leadership. It shows your your your, I mean, your, your, your country leadership that this is where the money has been spent and yeah. this is what we are demonstrating. So I think that's another value of uh, what exercises can bring. So it's not only articulation of value, but also showcasing your accomplishments and that return on investment. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the third piece of that. So th there's value that maybe we as continuity and resilience practitioners don't always think about. Uh, we always think of it in more practical terms, and that is we've written a plan, we need to test the plan, and we need to make sure we know how to execute the plan. But from a business standpoint, those other three areas of value really come to, to play. So that's why I wanted to, to focus on that, because you share a different perspective, I think, than we always look tend to look at it. I mentioned earlier that executives are busy. We don't always have time for tests and things like that. So how can teams that are interested in incorporating exercises do so? I think there's a few different ways of running an exercise. So uh, start with the simpler ones. Let's, uh, you lay out one here that I've never done before. So mm -hmm. I want you to talk about workshops and then I got maybe a follow-up question here. A lot of people, once they hear about the value exercises can bring, they want to jump straight into the, 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 the most complex exercise that you can ever dream of. <laughs> it's never going to work like that because mm -hmm. it, it all depends on the, the maturity of your, your people, process, technology. And either one of those can, can sort of put a hindrance to what you want to fully demonstrate you know, in terms of capability. So having a clear understanding of where um, these three areas lie in terms of the maturity spectrum would really help you identify the different types of exercises that you may want to run um, for that particular uh, area. So I think a lot of times people look at process maturity. If they do not have such do a process documented uh, and everyone's clear on it, uh, I, I would advise the one of the best ways is to run a workshop um, remove, remove time pressure, remove uh, the uh, scenario stress, so to speak, and just talk through what the various teams bring to the table, what they are there to try to, what, what they're there to support, what are the key objectives. And this is, I, I think, best run in a workshop style um, so that people have the, um, yeah, I mean, safe space to talk about what they bring to the table um, and how they can, where are the disconnects, where are the overlaps, whose responsibility is this? And that's where uh, workshops would help, best help teams that are perhaps not so mature in, in their processes um, to be able to stop, start their sort of the building blocks of, um, yeah, even building up their playbooks. Yeah, if, if the playbooks do not exist, don't, don't run an exercise, just run a workshop and let, let them talk through what, what they think about what they what they think about thinking about doing. Yeah. I, I, I like that. And as I was doing the research for this episode and I was reading through some of your material, 
when I got to the part where we were talking about safe space and understanding that conversation, and then I got to this part where you're talking about workshops, those two things immediately clicked to me. That's where you can have that safe space conversation in a workshop environment. Yeah. Yeah. The next level of exercise along your maturity cycle still isn't tabletop. You talk about doing drills. Mm -hmm. So how is a drill different from either a tabletop or a functional exercise? So I think great, great question because not, not many people fully understand what the differences are and therefore we, we don't know how to fully leverage the different uh, types of exercises. So uh, I'll give a military example of what drills, how drills are used and then how, how, how we use them uh, in, our, in our day to day right now. So drills are um, from simple things like how do you unload your weapon? That's a, that's a drill. It's, it's something where you should be able to do blind. You should be able to be so uh, comfortable with the 10 steps that um, you can run a drill and you should be able to articulate uh, the, the 10 steps there. So if we take it into the corporate context, um, this, would lead, this would be an example of, okay, we run a drill. How do you know when you need to escalate an, an alert, an incident? What does the event look like? Who do you escalate to? Where do you pull that contact list from? Um, who are the key stakeholders in your contact list? If you're going to send an escalation email, what does that look like? Um, what are the distribution lists that you need to send to? So those are fixed, short, sort of short sprints with very clear objectives and processes um, that the team um, is, is, needs to know at the back of the hand. And, and why this is important is in a crisis, you want to buy as much time and space as possible. And you can only do that if you have these procedures nailed down uh, and have full clarity about the, the procedures. You don't, wanna, you don't wanna be bogged down by labor intensive work. You wanna buy mental capacity to be able to think through uh, impacts. You wanna buy mental capacity to think through um, worst case scenarios or how the scenario can worsen. Uh, and therefore, drills are an excellent tool to help reduce procedural cumbersome and, and, and stumbling across uh, what we need to do step by step. So I think that's that's one area where, where drills um, would serve teams like the Security Operations Center. Um, I yeah. think they, they would appreciate drills uh, very much. When we think of a drill, we often think of a fire drill where an alarm sounds and people walk down the steps and they go gather wherever it is they gather. And that's probably the most common drill. Mm -hmm. uh, what, when you were to do a, a, a drill around a particular type of crisis, would you present a scenario and say, okay, tell me how you would respond if such and such happened or how would you approach it? Yeah, so we, we normally take um, open source uh, reporting uh, open source articles, and we look at the sort the, the few parts to the drills. One is from a critical analysis point of view. Does our analysts, when they look at such an article, does it ring some bells in their head? Um, are they looking out at keywords? Are they uh, are they filtering what's important in the article? Uh, once that is done, what what do they do with that that information? How do they report it? Um, how do they then conduct their next 
uh, mixed triage of research to sort of validate that the information that they are receiving is one, it's validated, it's two, it's from a, a, um, a source that we trust. Um, three, we have indeed uh, confirmed that yes, this is going to impact us. Um, yeah, so that's that's one part of the drill, um, really critical analysis and, and, and thought process about uh, what to do with uh, information. I can see value in running drills around trigger points because a lot of times uh, people will know what to do when there's obviously a crisis, but it's that time where they're trying to figure out whether this is a crisis or not, where they have to really apply that critical thinking, that logical thought process, and a drill could be really helpful in that area, it seems to me, anyhow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is really um, serves as a sort of an early warning, uh, sort of, so like, you know, two different incidents. One is, is full-on crisis. You don't really need to know that it's a crisis. The other one is sort of like a rising tide. Um, we, we, we get think some tingling of something is happening. Uh, uh, internet service provider is down. The bank is down. Uh, the stock exchange is down. Um, but what, what does that mean? Uh, what, what are the impacts? Who, who do we need to call? Yeah, so those are things that uh, drills would uh, really serve to, to bring um, one, the critical analysis portion of it. And then second, once we have validated that, what are the next five steps that the, the person on watch needs to do? Now, the next exercise type on the maturity scale is tabletop exercises. And I would say that's probably where most people spend their time. Um, Give us some of your good experience and, and examples of what you like to try to cover and what you like to try to fit into a good tabletop exercise. Yeah, so I think tabletop exercises are firstly becoming more and more popular. Uh, people yeah. are getting familiar with um, the, the modality of an exercise. Uh, and it's it's always useful because it is sort of cost effective. You, you, you don't run actual systems. Uh, you get people together and talk about certain, certain questions. So I think... Uh, tabletop exercises are good for running through difficult questions where executives are being asked to decide on. Um, and these are things like, like I mentioned earlier on in the call, can we even, are we even allowed to pay the ransom? Who needs to tick off what box before we can pay that ransom? Do we even have an account set up to transfer Bitcoins? Um, what are our legal obligations once we do that? Are we going to get sued down the road because we have we have made that decision? Um, yeah, so I, I think that those are those are tough tough questions, and and another I think another sort of favorite topic where uh, tabletop exercises always tend to to arise is communications, um, whether it's internal as well as external. Yeah. Um, how do we then face? Uh, clients, how do we talk to clients? Do we tell clients? Uh, who are our top 10 clients that we want to tell first before they hear it from elsewhere, before they, they take their business elsewhere? Um, what do we, do we respond to media inquiries? Who is going to speak to the media? Is it the boss? Is it uh, three, three levels down? What, what sort of um, impression, image uh, does that convey, uh, depending on who represents the, the company? So I think tabletop exercises, um, and it, it's good because you have control of the scenario. You have 
control of the objectives. It can go for hours and hours, or it can go for it can it can be short and sharp. Or yeah, I mean if if you realize that it's going on too long, it probably makes sense to branch it up into three or four sessions with uh, smaller groups of people, mm -hmm. um, so that they yeah that not everyone not everyone needs to know what the boss is going to talk to the media about. Only a small group needs to know that. So um, tabletop exercises really provide that flexibility to, and, and if managed properly, would uh, extract maximum value out of uh, each session. I have two follow-ups on that. Uh, the, the first one is, how elaborate do you find the executives wanting these tabletops to be? We, we do different injects. Uh, sometimes you'll have uh, pretend uh, media posts or, or social media posts or news references or things like that. How elaborate do you find executives want these to be? And can it be too much? Can it go over the top with that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that's always a danger. Like I mentioned before, it, we, we don't want it to become a fear mongering exercise. Um, and therefore, it is always sort of kosher to leverage a past incident. We don't want to be, we don't want to uh, shift the conversation towards uh, this is not realistic, it won't happen. Uh, and therefore, if you, if you um, base your scenario on a real incident, um, we can, yeah, we can, we can skip the argument that this will not happen because it has happened. And the second follow-up I had there was talking about value. How do you know when the executives see value in the exercise? Yeah, so you know it when they start to run their own exercises within their own shops. I think that's one. That's, that's a clear demonstration of acceptance of value for exercises that they take on uh, this modality and and run it within their own internal teams. Like maybe, I mean, maybe it's out, out of, uh, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a risk mitigation uh, exercise, right? Mm -hmm. they, they were asked difficult questions. They may not have given the best answers. So now they need to go back and do some homework with their internal teams. Like, okay, how, how do we do this better? So I think that's, that's one. And I think secondly is really the, um, yeah, the time and dedication uh, given to to the uh, running of, uh, or yeah, I mean the resource allocation, um, like what you mentioned, it's, it's tough to get these uh, folks together in a room to talk about one item, uh, and through that um, dedication of that time again to do it, uh, I think that's another clear indication that. Uh, People are taking this seriously. I, I just finished an exercise probably within the last three weeks or so, and it was a cyber exercise, and we were challenging the client pretty hard, and we hit them with a really tough scenario. And one of the executives turned to the president and said, well, I bet you're not going to sleep tonight after this. And he said, no, on the contrary, after being through this with everyone, I'm actually going to sleep better tonight. And there's a, an example of, you know, an executive seeing value in what we're doing. Lester, I can't believe the time has <laughs> just flown by here. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Thanks for sharing your insights when it comes to being able to articulate value of exercises. If people want to reach out and continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? 
Yeah, you, they can uh, search me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm fairly active there, and like 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 you mentioned, I share a lot of my my material. Right now, I'm running through an entire series of how do you design, develop, conduct, and exercise. So I think if people are interested, uh, yeah, you can follow me on on LinkedIn to to get that information. That's great, and uh, there's a lot of value in what you write. So, thanks for being a guest on the podcast. I appreciate you being here, and thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for inviting me. I want to thank Lester Chung for being my guest today. I told you you're going to learn something new about exercising and the whole concept of exercise workshops and having safe space for people to talk is so interesting. A huge thanks to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the podcast. And next week, it's going to be interesting, too, as I'm joined by Michelle Turner, and we're going to spend some time talking about her new book, Lessons Learned, Short Stories of Continuity and Resilience. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.